Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, everybody, it's an all-Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. And we every are. Week... Is that what we're doing? <laughs> and every week, we hear from our awesome listeners, and now Aubrey's going to tell you all about it. Oh, shit. No, 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 I got a couple of chaps that are going to tell you all about it. A couple of chaps? I say, old boy, what's all this I hear about this Hellboy book club? <laughs> Oh, it's a right lark, old bean. Miserney and Mr. Salinas and Loveless host one of those podcast do's wherein they discuss Hellboy. Oh, blimey, what a jolly good idea. <laughs> Isn't it, Jest? And their listeners, upon orders of the book club, go out and read a set book. And the following Senite, they all report back with their thoughts and everyone has a merry old chinwag. Giggle mugs abound. Tis such a delightful club. Its members soon become right chuckaboos. It's bang up to the elephant. Dear fellow, you laid that out so clearly. This Hellboy book club sounds exactly my sort of particular Hinklepink. Mark Tweedo. Mark. Mark so good. Yes. Oh, so Thank good. Thank you, Mark. I have Whoa. no words. <laughs> that was that was great. That was... Thank you for that uh, wonderful performance. Did he say jiggle good. wank? No, a chin, chin wag. Chin wag. Or what it, no, it's good. You had a couple of dialects coming together there. Yeah, that was good. No, yeah, that, that was, was really good. Stuff. Yeah, that was a good bit of like voice acting. Well, it was voice yeah. acting too because he did two separate voices. It was impressive. Very good. I, was, yeah. I don't know yeah. if yeah. we can even top that. I don't know. I, I, that was I, a good one. I want to ask listeners to send us more of that. We have some more Witchfinder episodes <laughs> adorable, coming up, really. so that, that would be amazing cute. if you could do mm-hmm. that. But I don't know if anybody could top what Mark just did. That was incredible. I, I know. I never could top that ever. That was cute. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but thank you for that. That's adorable, and we really appreciate all the adorable effort that went into that. Yeah, Very thank cute. you so much. I don't know if yeah, we, that, how can thank we talk. I mean, how can we talk that? No, it's there's like, nothing we there's can nothing do. We can there's do. nothing we can do. That is the That's pinnacle. It. That's the. <laughs> Although everyone does it in their own style, and I appreciate uh, everyone's. Yeah, you know, uh, send us contributions. Just, send us one that's just uh, unintelligible. Un- yeah, unintelligible. Yeah. Where it's just like. <laughs> so that yeah yeah just send us one in your own style that'd be great we like that that's super love that. cute i'm all about that awesome thanks again mark and you know i gotta mention the Mignola documentary drawing monsters that's live on kickstarter as if oh, that needs shit. any endorsement from me right that thing has already been really funded exciting. and meeting so many yeah. stretch goals so definitely check that out i've i've backed yeah i've got my contribution in there yeah, there's uh, there's so much preview content that's out now and i actually uh looked at a little bit of that and i was really excited to see rebecca sugar and there they were talking about um and and mike Mignola as well uh talking about um you know their professional relationship and how they knew each other and uh, mike mignola was like so honored that he, uh, he had had anything to do that he had influenced uh rebecca sugar at all and i i can't believe i had anything to do with that what an, and so i wow. i was just really that's cool excited to see all that stuff because you know steven universe is amazing and et cetera, et cetera. but um so i if that's the preview content like i i can't wait to see all the other interview stuff and i'm really excited so go back that if you haven't and it's gonna be good times yeah exciting stuff yeah i also want to mention that tyler crook is having a sale right now on cadence comic art i don't know if it's still going on by the time 
that this Man, episode will go up. There's some but really good pages in there. Yeah, and they're going for like, you know pretty good price. You know, there's some pages that are like under the two hundred dollar right. range. Yeah. You know, one hundred fifty dollars. Incredible, really stuff like that. And um, there's some good pages. I was looking through there. Are. You know, I got to look through there, even though I'm well, not yes. spending money on that. Well, the I got my that, page of the yeah of the I, guy. I you did look get like a page. that guy, or that guy looks like you. Yeah, BPRD grind. One yeah. of my favorite stories. That's the guy. Um, uh, I haven't actually posted it yet, but maybe by the time this episode comes it's up, I will. Really seriously, like somebody, like somebody looked at you so, and then drew you into this comic. Yeah, it's the guy amazing. on BPRD grind. One of my favorite issues. That's the guy that works at the coffee shop. Um, at the end when he's going to bed, yeah. he's got the Ogdrew him with the big hole in it that Liz blasted behind him and he goes to bed for the last time yes. and then the final frame, he's not there because the thing pulled him out of his bed. Oh man. And, uh, I got that page. It's a good page. Yeah. And I, I like it. I like That's it because it, uh, yeah, I like it because it looks like me. Yeah. And then <laughs> I just, Tyler and, Crow. I mean, he's and great, then I, and then I love that story. It's a great story. Um, and it's got the Ogdrew him in the background. I think that's really cool. And so I think when I get that all framed up, I want to put that in the bed in the bedroom right next to my nice, like nice. bedside lamp. So I want to put right it in there. the front room. I mean, that's yeah. a good piece. It's really cool. It it's somewhere. really cool. I was really happy to get that. I love that story and I oh, love but that, that would character. Be cute, though, to put it right next to it because yeah. he's going to bed and he's oh, that's cute. I didn't get that. before. He finally gets a good night's yeah, sleep you that put night. Oh, you put it right above Aww. the nightstand. That'll be cute. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I think so. I would have loved to have snagged that page where he's bringing. The the BPRD team a coffee. I yeah. That would have been oh, such yeah. a really hard to get that. Page, but you know what? But... I'm happy for whoever snagged that page. That's Those were that's some awesome. Good pages. If you've got that page, that's a good page, and uh, that's a great story. And are there other um other uh, oh yeah so things up for sale as well? Or? So um maybe I shouldn't say this on here, right? Well, but uh <laughs> but uh right. You know when Liz has gained her powers back in BPRD monsters, oh, yeah, yeah. and she's trying to like conjure up the. Yeah the fire and then she's remembering agartha and then she remembers the black flame yeah all there's a page where there's all that and that page is still there incredible pages and there's another one where she's trying and then it doesn't work out you know what i mean like she lights the candle but it doesn't go all the way or something like that and that page is both of those pages are really nice Go check out that sale. Buy some art from your favorite artists in general. You know Buy what I mean? Buy some art from Go your hit them up. They, they make money like that. And uh, Tyler Krug is like, I'm moving. So all these pages are on sale. I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty great. That's, yeah. Hey. And try and look for some local artists, too, if you're looking for art. Yeah. Try and look for local artists. Um, I can say from experience that local artists will completely underprice their shit. Uh, and so, you know, go support them. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, we got Young Hellboy. That book is going out, so go check that out. We got the Hellboy sketchbook. That's that's come out this week, so support all the Hellboy books. I also want to thank at Magic underscore Cassie on Twitter for the shout out. Hey, yeah, How they recommended our podcast at Magic so. underscore Cassie book club member. Book club member. That's right. Yeah. I also want to shout out my LCS, my local comic book store, Let's Bedrock City. LCS. When did that become a? <laughs> what? When did that become a thing? Is that a hashtag? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Bedrock City Comics in Houston. You know, I mentioned on my little snowed in update when we didn't have an episode. Right. Right. I did mention on that that um, I thought Texas gets a bad rap because of things. Here's and Texas is getting a bad rap thing. right now, yeah. and I just want to mention that. Our local comic book store, where we choose to buy our comics, where we choose to spend our money and, and give our business, they are still 
asking customers Absolutely to wear masks. Absolutely enforcing yes. the mask policy. And so a lot of businesses are. So we are supporting those businesses. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, this is the And in the, the comments of all their posts, like most of it, like I would say 95, 99% of it oh, is people so who are funny. like, yeah, thank you so much for protecting the local community. And you'll get one or two people like, I guess I'll shop somewhere else. All the comments in there just destroyed. Like, bye. We won't oh, no. miss you. There was one guy that said, uh, "Don't shop here." One you guy said, not. Uh, "I'll take my business elsewhere," and they retweeted him. Yeah, <laughs> they were just like, "That's bye. fine." You Goodbye. know what I mean? That's fine. <laughs> you should so, take your business elsewhere. Anyway, uh, shout out to Bedrock City shout out to Bedrock and City. all the businesses here in Texas. Actually, yeah, my feed is full of uh, local, locally owned. You know breweries and and whatever it is you know a cafe or a comic book store or any kind of retail store they're all saying you know what you know we will still be enforcing masks and so if you don't like it that's tough we don't care we're enforcing masks so we're keeping people safe we're keeping you safe you're keeping us safe that's how it's going to work and so you don't hear that in the news though all you hear about is what the leaders are doing and so whether it's one fiasco or another i feel like you are when you say, oh, Texas is dumb, they deserve what they get, you're not hurting the people who are actually causing these problems. You're hurting the little people, just the regular, ordinary people who live here who did not vote for assholes to right, make yeah. bad decisions. So, like, almost half of us voted for, you know, someone who was less of an asshole, who was <laughs> trying to make a good decision. And so you're hurting those people you're hurting us so please don't say texas deserves bad things to happen to them texas is the people who are governing and leading and the making these decisions yeah they suck but some of us did not want that and did not vote for that and so you know like just keep it in perspective there are people living here that you need to think about when you say those things so there are real people living here and we don't want sucky things to happen we want cool things to happen so yeah. just just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. No, well said. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. I heard from A.T. Johnson. Hey, A.T. Johnson. Book club member. That's right. He said, you guys are going to get swamped with Uncle Simon. Hey, you damn guys. Okay. That was something that I missed from last week. (laughs) All right. Must be the fatigue from the weather crisis. Thanks for another fun episode. I haven't seen this series, but I love Experience Grey through the Hellboy Book Club. Yeah, I've been having fun with this series. Yeah. It's a good little avenue to go down. And I can't say I would. it's something I would have just picked up. Like, oh, what's this? You sure. know, but like, because it's such a niche thing, but I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been good. So um, basically, one of the members of the British Paranormal Society is Simon Broom. Yeah. And last week we were like, oh, I guess he has he's related to Broom. Right. No, yeah, we met Uncle Simon. He's already an old man. Yes. He has a beard. We yeah. met him in Rasputin. Right. And so they had a whole interaction. They had like the whole we series together. Remember and we were just like. Uh. I wonder who this guy is. I wonder who this gentleman is. So I like that AT said you're going to get swamped with. That's fine, and you know you what? Well that. deserved. We yeah. earned that. We earned that if that happens. And I no, but I appreciate. It. I think that's that just goes to show how active all of the book club members yeah, are, that's and good. I appreciate yeah, that because I, I don't want to. I don't want to do any work. You do it. <laughs> uh, he wasn't wrong either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I'm I'm happy to be corrected. Yeah, that's fine. Ryan Yule said. Hey, Ryan Yule. 
Book club member. Hell yeah. Simon Broom is Trevor's uncle. Yes. <laughs> Please read every one of these. I would love it if you would read every single one. He also shared a sweet pic of him and his wife at the Prime Meridian. There's actually a marker. Oh, yeah. oh, There's nice. a line on the that's, ground. No, that's great. That's That fantastic. shows you exactly where it is. So I thought that was pretty that's rad. Drew bad. Campbell said. Hey, Drew Campbell. Book club member. Yeah, that's right. Simon Burr was Trevor's uncle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. He was introduced in the Rasputin voice of the dragon. Okay. Nerds. <laughs> he right. also said regarding Disraeli, he worked with Ian Eddingen on that War of the Worlds series that I mentioned last week. He's, he recommended mm. that as being really great. Okay. And he said you should also check out their sequels. Scarlet Traces and Scarlet Traces The Great Game, which take place in a Victorian London that has assimilated Martian technology into a Victorian aesthetic. Okay. That's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, okay. yeah. I am trying to think of what that aesthetic would be, and it, uh, it all seems like it would be super rad. Yeah. In my mind, so <laughs> that, that would be cool. Let's go check out the Let's book and see if out. it uh, matches yeah. up. We also heard from a Matt Strackbine. Did we hear from Matt Strackbine? Yeah. yeah. Is he a book club Sometimes member? a host. Yeah. yeah. Matt Strackbine. <laughs> book club member. Book club member. He said, I love the part in the episode where you said that Ryan Yule, Mark Tweedell, and Matt Strackbine had all called me out on not recognizing Norton's pub from the goon. Right. <laughs> this is like the Trinity of nerds. It's true. <laughs> They are the trinity of nerds. And we have others who will fill in for us if need be. That we is call also them, true. We call them book club members. Uh, Aww. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. We heard from Mark Tweedo. Did we hear from Mark Tweedo? Book club member? Yeah. He said, Which finder? Which finder? Which finder? How did he type it? Did he type it in like super little text? Yeah. That's good. I enjoy that. He said, I like the way Clem Robbins changed his lettering. For this arc to better match the art style. I didn't notice that. Okay. But I guess um, when he did, um, if you do look at it, you see it's kind of a little different compared to the normal lettering work that he does on the Hellboy and the BPRD books. Oh, wow. No, you're right. Thanks for pointing that out, Mark. Yes, that's excellent. And I appreciate some good lettering. So I'm embarrassed that I didn't notice that, but that's fantastic. But it's subtle. Yeah, yeah. It's very subtle. It's really good. That's great. Thank you for pointing that out. That's excellent. He said, regarding tea, the meal, that whole conversation last time led me down a Wikipedia wormhole about meals. Oh, okay. It was fun. But he didn't say anything about it. Tell us. What, well, I what guess, it, I mean, we could no, Google that I want to know look the it highlights. on Wikipedia. We could, we could look at this on I Wikipedia. I want to know Mark's personal pick. Oh, I see. Know his personal perspective on that. I think Second Breakfast would probably be a lot of people's favorites. He also said, regarding Panya... She was first unwrapped in London, 1859. Sir Edward Grey began his career as an agent of the Queen in 1879. So very early on, readers began to speculate that she would appear in the pages of Witchfinder. Then in Lost and Gone Forever, Lord Glaren died. And with him, our hopes of seeing Panya and Sir Edward meet, because that's how they were associated. Right. After all, Glaren had been alive when Panya left England with the O.N. Society. There was just one thing, a little weird. So I guess the Hellboy Companion, we haven't talked about that a little bit. That has a discrepancy in terms of dates. 
But if you uh-huh. look at all that aside, maybe this was just the case of the plan changing when it came time to writing the comic. No, it was something else entirely. It turns out Adam Glaren had a younger brother. Lord Michael Glaren, the sleeping lord during Ponya's escape, was not Adam, but actually Michael. When Witchfinder the Gates of Heaven number two came out, the second I saw Lord Glaren, I nearly jumped out of my seat and exclaimed, Holy shit, Ed's gonna meet Ponya. <laughs> I knew exactly what a new Glaren meant, and I was stoked. I'm really excited that you're reading all these three Witchfinder tales, yet now that you're doing it, I'm so impatient for you to reach the end. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Thanks. I I guess I didn't even track that they could be in the same series until now. Um, But it makes sense because we did see Lord Glaren unwrap her and then he showed up in Lost and Gone Forever. So you knew there could be a connection there. All right, and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. All right. This week we're talking about Witchfinder. Witchfinder The Gates of Heaven is a five-issue miniseries. We're continuing our discussion today with issues three through five, which were published in July through September 2018, written by Mignola and Chris Robertson, illustrated by Matt Brooker, a.k.a. Disraeli, colors by Michelle Madsen, and letters by Clem Robbins. Nice. So we get this cover here. We've got um, Sinclair jumping through the portal. So this is kind of what I suspected. I talked about in the last episode that he's like kind of, that's how that guy got his arms cut off, right? He was probably like right outside of this circle or whatever. Yeah, I really like this cover. I like I like anything with a portal. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> the color work on these next three issues are really amazing. We'll get into it. So we open in Amarna. This is an extensive Egyptian archaeological site that represents the remains of the capital city, newly established and built by the pharaoh Akhenaten. That's what it was called at that time in the late 18th dynasty and abandoned shortly after his death in 1332 BC. Akhenaten means horizon of the Aten. The Aten was a disc of the sun and originally an aspect of Ra, the sun god. So Heliopic Brotherhood of Ra, all that stuff. So I like this. Um, This is really cool. We see ancient Egypt. I love the colors on these pages. And I love that they're connecting Panya to all the stuff that's going on. It's just one big long thread. That's really fascinating. Yeah, because all of this is historically based, right? This is historical fiction. Um, so they call the dad, this is Panya's dad and her uncle. They're having this disagreement and they call the dad Maria. This was an Egyptian noble and the only certain high priest of the Aten. Amongst his other titles was hereditary noble and high official and fan bearer on the right side of the king, which emphasized his closeness to the king. So this was an actual guy who was in this city and who worked under the king. So, in the actual history, this city was abandoned. This was King Tut. He decided to leave the city and return to his birthplace in Thebes. And so, they mentioned that in here as well. And that's what they're arguing about, right? The uncle is saying that they should leave. The father wants to stay. And he walks out on him. And then the uncle goes over to yell at little Panya. Why does he do that, right? He's like, I'm having a disagreement with your father, so now I'm going to go over and be shitty to you for no reason. Sometimes uncles are just shitty. I like that, because um, we've seen this before, her interacting with her cat. 
Ola, ba- oh, Ola BC. Right, yeah, exactly. She names her cat Ollie. Right. And when she gets one in the BPRD after this cat. And so, so we've, yeah. we've heard about this uh, kitty cat before. She's just being a a little girl playing with a little kitty cat. And so she's overhearing this argument and whatever. And so I, I think it's really interesting that he's talking about, ah, this guy's on his way out. Already the heavenly fire consumes him. It's madness to remain here and risk joining him in the flames. And so that comes back kind of later when they're talking about, uh, he goes, Panya's like, ah, everything's going to be all right to the cat. Right, and then right. her uncle comes over like, it's not going to be fine, actually. <laughs> so you hear a little girl talking to her cat, yes, soothing the cat. That's what I, yeah. She's really not soothing the cat. She's soothing herself. Yeah. She's saying everything's going to be fine to herself, right? And so he's like, actually, it's not going to be fine. You should be super worried. You don't fucking talk like that to a child. That's horrible. <laughs> so he's talking about all this shit. And uh, you were born in this horrid place. And she's like, well, 11 summers. This is such, a, such an 11-year-old thing to do. Right, yeah. Is to say, actually, I'm 11 and a half. <laughs> I'm not 10. Uh, he goes, most men can see no further than the end of their own nose. At least Hawk Kennetan has the ambition to reach beyond his grasp. Y'all don't understand the true nature of the heavenly fire yeah. that he has named Aten. You cannot hope to break through the fiery gates of heaven and not be burned. And you're pitiful and you suck and you're the worst. And right. she's just like, okay. So this is very dramatic. But it kind of connects to the rest of the stuff oh, like yeah. Heavenly Fire and all this. Yeah, and they also um, yeah. they said the name of the thing in the thing. Yeah. So I like that too, yeah. the gates of heaven. Oh, right. <laughs> so yeah, this guy is super intense. And I thought this was interesting because they don't say it in the spoiler. I guess I can talk about this. I don't want to wait until we get all the way to the sketchbook. Um, when we get to the sketchbook, you know, so we know that dad is Maria. This guy is named as Sedubera. Right. And so Sedubera is heavily part of the Abe Sapien, the Drowning. You know, um, Sedubera was a Hyperborean priest, and he reincarnated, reincarnated himself over and over throughout the years until Sir Edward Grey came and stabbed him uh-huh. with the Leipu dagger and trapped him there, and then he couldn't get out. And so the whole Abe Sapien, the Drowning, is they're trying to pull that dagger out. Yeah. And so, by the time that um, that that story goes on, there's other stuff. We'll we'll get to that. But basically, by looking at the sketchbook, maybe that's something you don't get out of the comics. They are putting this guy right into the yeah, he's the guy into the central yeah. stuff that happens yeah. later on. Such a really good payoff. So, well, is it or is it just that like they they saw that and they were like, hey, we can work this yeah, into yeah. the story. Yeah. We can work that guy in here. Really cool. That's so cool. I like how they always incorporate the historical fiction, but then they add, we're going to throw this guy their in there own, too. Yeah, yeah, they have their yeah. own storyline that's already going. Like, why not do a story about that? That's yeah, cool. very cool. That's good stuff. On this next page here, there's more of that uh, thing you were talking about that you like where it's um like the Batman animated series where you kind of look at these, like the plants here, for example, yeah. are all just kind of green, little green outlines I against really this love black. That. It's nice. What it's is? Good. Yeah, they're like outlines. That's a great way to describe. And it. so it's kind of like it's it's set dressing, but it's it fades kind of into the background. This mysterious kind of almost like a psychedelic type deal. Yeah, it's cool. Back at Glaren Manor in 1884, Panya talks with Ed Gray. I like how um, she's on his arm. Yeah, that's, walking, yeah. that's you know very. I mean? That's very. Yeah. And sweet. She's all part of like high society at this point. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Well, it's sweet of him to, 
I feel like yeah. he is he is not treating her like a dried up gross mummy right, right. lady. Like he's, you know, treating her like a person and this this lady that he knows and is respects and is has a connection to. Yeah. And it's interesting though. I th- I feel like it's very um I guess the juxtaposition of it yeah. is just fabulous. Panya says coming out of this flashback that she still dreams about being a little girl. And she sometimes wonders if this second life is a dream. Ponya mocks her seclusion as generosity from Lord Glaren and now his brother. So they've kind of like trapped her in this estate, right? She yeah. can't go anywhere yeah. now. She tells Grey that she will walk abroad once more. She's sure of it. Can I just say, her, um, you know, reading through this the first time, I didn't really make a note of this to myself, but reading through this a second time now with y'all i'm really noticing how effortless the dialogue is but it's very i was gonna say oh these two people really know the art of conversation but it's not two people it's a person writing what these people are saying so obviously like yes exactly so so that's but i feel like that really speaks to man these aren't real people like i'm not this is not a movie i'm watching i'm reading a comic yeah i kind of forget sometimes so Credit to Chris Robertson for writing yeah. dialogue that seems as though I am reading two people actually conversing yeah. and and complimenting them on their conversation. I think that it's um it's so effortless and it kind of it can fade into the background if you're just like ah oh, it's good writing you don't notice it really when it's that when it's good sure. you really don't notice that I just am into I feel like these are the characters talking. Yeah, nonetheless, like Victorian dialogue. Exactly, you know what it's I mean, so or difficult. Yeah. yeah, well, and I wouldn't really know what actual Victorian people are saying. I mean, he's creating fake Victorian era people, and I'm reading it, and it doesn't feel awkward. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> I like to be able to forget that I'm reading when I'm reading dialogue. I like to forget that I'm reading dialogue, and so that's really uh, some skillful writing going on. Yeah, I really like that. And I like this line, I will once more walk abroad, I'm sure of it. So we do know that right. eventually she will kind of yeah. get out a little bit more. Inside the manor, what the devil? He sees this guy, he's like hooked up to this apparatus, he's got these kooky glasses on, he's muttering to himself about talking to Larzad or whatever. <laughs> Panya explains his scrying apparatus. Okay. Also known by various names such as seeing or peeping is the practice of looking into a suitable medium in hopes of detecting significant messages or visions. The next thing here is he's explaining his apparatus. He goes, I was inspired by elements of John Dee's Black Mirror, I must admit, Uh, blah, 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 blah. So he's talking about how it works and all this stuff. On YouTube, there's like a four-hour Terrence McKenna lecture on alchemy and hermeticism. I think he mentions... John Dean Edward Kelly at length in there if you want to check out some uh it's a good listen but he's talking about the he's talking about the showstone right which is a polished piece of obsidian that you can actually look at it's exists and is in a museum yeah you i was looking at pictures this. of it yes. i was like wow that is really weird and cool yeah right it's so rare that these are actual things this is a real actual thing and there's a lot uh, there's a lot of content yeah. there that you can learn about along with Edward Kelly they used it to summon visions of angels into the mirror's reflective surfaces. They held a lot of seances between 1583 and 1589. The mirror made of obsidian volcanic glass was brought from Mexico to Europe between 1527 and 1530 after Cortez' conquest of the region. 
He also mentions Charles Hinton, this guy who's researching into this apparatus. He says his findings are consistent with current scientific thinking. Charles Hinton, this was a British mathematician and writer of science fiction works. He was interested in higher dimensions, particularly the fourth dimension. He is known for coining the word tesseract nice. and his work on methods of visualizing geometry of higher dimensions. Yeah, so all of this, there's a lot of historical yeah. fiction. There's a lot of stuff that's... Um, it's super fascinating. Yeah. Check it out. If you're interested in any of the words that we just said, please do yourself a favor and yeah. check some of this out because it's fascinating. You had mentioned earlier like angels and stuff. D and Kelly came up with uh, you know, the Enochian language i don't know if anyone's gotten right, into okay. that we, rabbit hole probably talked about that. but that's a whole thing too and so um yeah that was the uh we have i mean we've gone over some of this before but yeah i like how in the middle of all his ramblings here ed gray says that sounds unlikely sir well really <laughs> yeah <laughs> he also mentions archibald cabell one of the american brotherhood of raw members I couldn't find a reference for that guy. So that's the fake, you know, historical fiction guy that they put in there to tie it back to the Brotherhood. I like all these um, hieroglyphs in the background. Yeah. There. And just, uh, again, it's just the outline, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, just looking at all the extensive work in the background and in the color work yeah. um, on the inside of this estate is really nice. And uh, Ponya's like, uh, let's get this weird Mr. Bright guy back to his scrying So thing. polite, though, because she <laughs> says, I'm sure Mr. Bright would like to get back to it. We yeah. should leave him be. We should leave him to work and not bother him any further. It's such a polite way of being like, we're out of here. Yeah. Let's go. When I was reading this, this guy gave me a, a real strong O'Donnell vibe. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not as quite as far gone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, 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 not as far gone, but, but definitely... <laughs> No, absolutely, yeah. On the way. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Same, I mean, you know. She mentions that he's very monomaniacal. I had never heard that term. That means when you're obsessed with one thing, like you're just into this one, you are obsessed with it nice. in every single, you know, that's all you're focused on. I thought that was interesting. So you can relate. Sure, exactly. I have a... <laughs> um, very specific. She also mentions... Don't get him started on the true secret history of the world. Yeah. We've definitely talked about that. Yes. Um, a lot of times. That's my shit. That's my jam. I'm all about it. I love this little inset panel of the Lipu dagger handle that's just there. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a very kind of like Mignola Mood shot. Pacing, it is. You know? Absolutely. This is a very Mignola panel. Gray says all of this is quite diverting, but he's sure that she didn't want to just give him the tuppence tour. Tuppence ah. is, uh, means it's money. You're giving me the money tour. You're showing me around all your fancy stuff. I thought that was a. Well, I think I thought Tuppence is like not a lot of money at all, though. Is is it not? It's like a small amount of money, right? It's it was slang for money in this time. Oh, I see. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I took that to mean something totally different. So I'm glad that you researched okay. that because I would have not understood. Yeah, I had to look that up. I that. wanted to see what it okay. meant. Okay, I thought it meant like the the cheap like carnival sideshow oh okay i but if yeah. it's the opposite meaning then that's a totally different um oh maybe that is what you, maybe i'd like your maybe that is the meaning i like that better. yeah yeah you know like I, I kinda, shaving a haircut i kind of took it the same way that um danielle's you know like you know the pittance tour you know yeah the, i'm sure I, know. i'm not here for the just any old person stops yeah. by and you're ready to get them out of here kind of thing okay let's I get like down that. to business i don't perfect. know perfect that might not be the correct um yeah i mean on your mind 
Anya might be genuinely like showing him around there and we're being all judgy. <laughs> so it might it might also be like the fancy thing because right. if you're saying that's slang for four months, I mean, I don't know. Right. So that's interesting. Panya says she does have serious matters to discuss regarding Aldous Middengard Sinclair. They keep saying that guy's name. Okay, that's quite a name. Grace surprised to hear the name. Panya talks about a rift in the Brotherhood of Ra. Since Tefnut Trionis left, one faction is looking into even greater mysteries. So we know that the Oannes Society is going to break off from the Heliopic Brotherhood. We also know that the Osiris Club is going to break off from the Heliopic Brotherhood. So it's like um, she might be talking about some of these guys. Right. Sinclair was encouraged by these others to continue his investigations, which is why Swain, a.k.a. Liam Neeson, was so upset and he made that <laughs> face last week when right. he heard his name. Ponya thinks Sinclair is attempting to harness energies far beyond his control. To what end? I am not sure. Look at the intricate, like, little hieroglyph detail work yeah, there in the background. Just, um... It's so cool. She's, like, sitting down in her chair. I was talking about that little stool. It was in one of the earlier pages. I forgot to mention it. That is, like, an Egyptian-style stool. Yeah. It's, like, the precursor to, like, the folding stool that kind of, like... Nice. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I went and looked at pictures of that. You That's can find awesome. them online. I love a correctly drawn, like, appropriate for the time chair. That's nice that yeah, they yeah. did that research. That's fantastic. Really cool. Also, the lighting. I mean, I uh, you were mentioning this a lot last um, time, but yeah, just that effect that it gives. Where you dark there, That's cool. especially when you're when you have this kind of design that we've been talking about, Disraeli and Matson have. In a lot of books, it would be out of place, but yeah. because they've been so consistent with it this whole yeah, time. Yeah. It's just not even something that I mean it, it really belongs so it goes. So the color the color work is fantastic. I like the um lack of outline in a lot of this is really doing it a lot of favors too. Panya says that Sinclair could mean the death of countless innocents and she must find him. There are dark times ahead. At the end of all things a great dragon will rise over this green and pleasant land. I hope that those days are not already upon us. And then we get this spectacular image here nice. by Madsen and Disraeli. I really love this. And so are they alluding to something that, that hasn't happened yet? Or are they alluding to when the Ogdru, when the Ogdru Jihad, when that one comes down in End of Days? You know what I mean? Like, it, it just made me think of so many different things when I saw this panel. Yeah, it made me think of like, you know, like we've seen similar panels like this, but kind of more in a modern setting. And I feel like this is like the similar thing. But in this Victorian setting. Oh, right. Like when we see like the Hellboy, they see like a vision of him, like, you know. Or, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but also just like the Hell on Earth vi uh, visuals, right? Oh, yeah. All of it. Yeah. I mean, it's all there. You know? Yeah. I, just, I like how it's like, you know, because you interpret the end with what you know. And like at this point in time, they really only know this Victorian setting. So they wouldn't be picturing skyscrapers and stuff like that because <laughs> they wouldn't know what the hell those are. Right. Flying cars or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Very cool. Oh, but I was so happy with myself. Panya says she's not going to ask for help without giving something. I totally called this last week. It's Durga. Nice. The statue. Oh, She's yeah. like, oh, this dagger will protect you. It's blessed by the many-armed goddess Durga. So we know Durga incorporates into Ashley Strode. And uh, I was like, yes, because I, I hadn't read this issue. I promise I hadn't read that when I read, when I did the research for last week. So 
I was like, I think that's Durga. They're gonna they're gonna tie it in there. This bottom panel is great, where Ed Gray looks at the dagger suspiciously. Indeed, and why do I get the impression that you know more than you're telling, Miss Panya? Why, Sir Edward? I'm sure I don't know what you mean. She says, <laughs> "Nice, I love oh, that." Oh, Panya, Panya, up to it's good to know she's always up to her old tricks. <laughs> I was just gonna say, there you see it that she's yeah. always been like this. It's great. She has always been like that. That's who she is. Is she's always. Doing something it. sneaky. She's being sneaky. She's She's got the sass is still there. It's great. She's a mysterious, sneaky lady. Yeah. Um, I, oh, yeah. I like it. But she's not... It, she doesn't have nefarious motivations. It's She's cheeky. Yeah, but, yeah. Here, but here she is really helping Gray. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. No, she's always helping. It's just sometimes... <laughs> I like that it, it seems sinister, but isn't. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Back at Sinclair's lab, he and Miss Ashton talk. She tells Sinclair that when he uses the machine, he seems off. Sinclair dismisses this. As he works on the machine, he tells Miss Ashton that she should be proud to be working with him. And she mentions that she couldn't get any work in a respectable factory. Sinclair says it will be ironic that he is going to use his ancient technology to show the modern railway tech a thing or two. That's kind of what you were talking about, Aubrey. Like, yeah. this modern railway, they're going to see... This page is very stylistic. Oh, it's yeah. Incre- I've, it almost feels like the artist and the colorist together are maybe like doing their best to push the stylistic boundaries of this book. Like This page itself is almost abstract in some areas. I really like it. It almost looks animated to me. And right. It's got like that kind of style. Yeah, I was actually thinking that when I was reading it, like the whole time, it's just like, this would look good animated. And as Sinclair powers on the machine, he says, they'll make this gateway and they'll be able to transverse distance in a second. He powers on this suitcase looking thing with the fork and this portal opens up. And the color work is outstanding. From here on in the yeah. book, I feel like the color work just takes a step up a notch. They're, they're really taking this to a psychedelic level yeah. in this book. And again, I love the kind of quote-unquote animation of Sinclair. You know, he's very expressive, like you were saying, as he carries on and um, goes through the portal here. And so now we know that he's using the portal to like steal all these things. So we cut over to, I guess, where he's stealing stuff next. This is St. Anne's Limehouse. One thing is, like, you know, it has that one panel in all black, and it's just got the, uh, I guess, the frog riding there. Oh, right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like you know, for it looks like he's instantaneous, but this panel is, is like he's gone through another dimension and somehow, uh, uh, it, you know, something's grafting onto him. And that's why she's bringing up the fact that he seems different every time he uses yes. that. Yes. Nice. Great catch. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic, Aubrey. Yeah. He's passing through like the the Ogdru. Yeah, the Ogdru Hell yeah. void or whatever. That's great. And you know, we were talking I mean earlier you were talking about Aubrey, you had mentioned um O'Donnell and how that affected him so strongly. And so here it's it's a similar Oh yeah. It's a similar kind of but it doesn't affect him quite as radically right away. It's more of a cumulative effect right, right? and yeah. so that's that's interesting and maybe that's um like we were just talking about how things are becoming more abstract and more psychedelic and maybe that's intentional 
by oh, the artist like and colorist. Yeah. Maybe they're saying, yeah. hey, let's get gradually more psychedelic as this book goes on because they're dealing with more and more Doctor Strange type shit. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I like this because we know that he's teleporting to steal stuff. So he goes through the portal and then we cut over to St. Anne's Limehouse. The architecture, I love. This is great. This is oh, very, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. This was formed as part of the parish of St. Dunstan. And so St. Dunstan was referenced in Box Full of Evil. That yeah. was the St. Dunstan key or something like that was part of that. And I like this scene. Are Rogers in the Nick again? What is that? Caught- in the jail. And he is in the... the- the tank yeah. for the night. He's, you know. Caught pinching a joint of beef from the butchers. There you go. Aww. He's spending that- the night in the tank. <laughs> damn damn it, Roger, again. <laughs> I like how she mentions. It's but nice it's- having the apartment yeah. to myself. <laughs> Amazing. That's what, that's what I'm going to say if you go to jail. It's nice, having the, it's nice having the place to myself. Yes, really. Incredible. So all of a sudden there's like some sort of sound. And this woman screams out. I like the other woman's reaction. Wait, no. <laughs> Good job, Aubrey. <laughs> they think it's the Reverend. Struth. But you gave us a fright. <laughs> what Incre- is Struth? I have no fucking idea what that means. Oh, I should have looked that up. Struth. I thought that was. I thought that was his name. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. A mild oath expressing surprise or generally adding emphasis. Alternative forms. You can compare it to Zounds or Blimey. <laughs> ah. That's what I was thinking, because it seemed like that's what she was Whoa, doing, but I had never fucking heard Struth. I've heard never Zounds heard. and Blimey. Apparently, Struth is another one of those guys. Wow. Interesting. I'm going to start using that. Let's bring back start, Struth. Work that into your repertoire. Hashtag bring back Struth. I don't know about that. <sighs> I wonder, maybe, because maybe spending a night in the clink wasn't as bad. Maybe it was just like, ah. You know, you think about what she did. Maybe it's like going to the sitting in the corner. Okay. Right. Maybe it wasn't so bad there or something. Because to us, we're like, oh shit, he went to fucking jail. Because we're there's in no America way. and there... we're in Texas and we're kind of like, oh shit. Yeah, there's no way 1800s Victorian jail could be any worse than normal jail, right? Well, what I'm saying is, I'm I just, wonder well, if because she seems so <laughs> lackadaisical and not worried and not know. bothered about it maybe she's just like yeah he's he'll well maybe maybe to her to them maybe, it's just maybe, like ah. yeah maybe their roger's been in the clink a lot but what i'm saying <laughs> is maybe the repercussions aren't so bad and long lasting okay. and terrifying maybe it's just more like ah he's in timeout for the night and he'll he'll, okay. he'll come back and it'll be fine and it's not a big deal <laughs> so anyway they see this they they're like ah we have nothing to be alarmed about it's just our preacher and it's then, fine. And then when he steps out of the shadow... It's not fine. He's a horrible, mutated monster. It isn't fine. And he claws at them. Yeah. And then we see blood everywhere. Ugh. That's not good. And a scrunch. <laughs> and, a scr- and a scrunch. <laughs> we cut over to Ed Gray getting back to the foundry. I love him, like, stepping out of the carriage here on this top panel. Very cool. I love that little, just like him jumping out. Yeah. It would be, uh, and if this were a movie, it would be one of the Michael Bay shots. Yeah. Of a helicopter just circling an SUV, <laughs> but it's circling a horse-drawn carriage. Yes. <laughs> Ed Gray meets back with Major Singh. Ed Gray talks about the events we just witnessed at St. Anne's Limehouse, and Gray thinks it's connected. There was a theft as well. Witnesses say they saw a ghoul, and Gray thinks it might be one of the vampires. Maybe they missed one from the last story, City of the Dead. He really was the epitome of a ghoul. 
Yeah. Just gross looking. And Singh is surprised to hear that Ed Gray fought vampires. Are they real? More things in heaven and earth, Major Singh. I like Gray this responds. guy. I'm yeah. so, I like this guy. I'm psyched about this guy. So more things in heaven and earth. This is the third time. Yeah. Hamlet Act 1, Scene 5. We It was used in Hellboy and BPRD Saturn Returns. Then it was used last week in City of the Dead. And now here we are, third story in a row where this line has been referenced. Gray and Major Singh go to check out the crime scene, and the British Paranormal Society guys are already there. Pritchard, Honor Grant, and Simon Broom. And, um, this is like the precursor to BPRD. Exactly, right? And they're checking out everything. Daniel, talk about, you know, spying something from a modern lens. I kept looking at this. I'm like, oh, you guys, that's not how you do forensic evidence. You're kneeling in the blood, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that reminds me of a, um, it actually reminds me of a John Mulaney sketch where he's like, you know, back in the day when you would commit crimes, you would just go out and wear, make a day of it, wear suits and, you know, tell him it was, tell him it was Joe Suggins and the Suggins gang and whatever and you know, you would come up to a, po- a pool of blood and say, hmm, gross, or whatever, you know, yeah. and so that's one of those things <laughs> yeah. where that's, that is, you're right, Aubrey, I mean, there he's kneeling in the blood, probably shouldn't be doing that, but then again, forensic evidence did not, Yeah. I mean, for, forensic oh, yeah. forensic research they, didn't exist, and so they couldn't, there's not, what were they going to do with it? Look at it? <laughs> hmm, gross, you know, so that's... There's a uh, ongoing kind of like back and forth between Honora Grant and Simon Broom, where she's the skeptic to his wild theories. I um, like which that I she really has like red then. hair. Yeah. <laughs> and he has brown hair. Yeah. Hmm. Right. And so he thinks it might be wild dogs. Is Skinner? Oh, okay. I, I see what Would you're Would he saying. be Skinner? He's yeah. got glasses. Pritchard. There you He's go. He's slightly right. older. <laughs> these, are, these are what we call archetypes. Sure. <laughs> Mulder and Scully, archetypes. Because... Broom thinks that it might be wild dogs, but Grant's like, oh, well, Occam's Razor, probably not wild dogs. And so that refers to explaining a thing in no more assumptions than should be made necessary. Hmm. Pritchard tells Gray that they've made considerable progress since they last saw him. Simon says there's a distinct correlation between paranormal sightings and the theft of artifacts of unknown origins, as you indicated. But then Grant comes in and says, but I continue to remind my colleagues, correlation does not indicate causation. Come hoc ergo prompter hoc indeed. Good stuff. This is uh, Latin for with this, therefore, because of this. Or in other words, A and B happen at the same time, therefore A must be causing B to happen. This is a fallacy um, it's a common mistake in the diagnosis and treatment of medical and psychological conditions. So they used to think that correlation meant causation. Right. Right, but it does not. And so um, I know about this a lot. This comes up a lot in my actual okay. profession. Excellent. And there, w- one of my colleagues once turned me on to looking up spurious correlations. Mm. Have you ever heard of spurious correlations? Oh, is that the website that they'll generate a graph to, for whatever to like topics the one that i used to follow hasn't been updated in a while but you can probably find some more current yeah i'll just give you an example here between 1999 and 2009 the number of people who drowned by falling into a pool was highly correlated with the films nicholas cage appeared in right it, yes there you go. absolutely that's a fantastic <laughs> example and so from well- 2000 to 2009 Per capita cheese consumption, 
was correlated with the number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bed sheets. Incredible. Well, okay, so back to the Nick Cage one. I mean, ha- have you seen we any of those movies? gloss over that, yeah. <laughs> Let's investigate We're a little sure further. That's not- <laughs> Divorce rates in Maine are correlated with per capita consumption of margarine. Love it. So there you go. Um, things like that. So uh, spurious correlations. That's what she's talking that's about great. here. I loved that line. Personally, I was like, I really loved that yes. that was in there. This copper comes over. Uh, Constable Penbrook, if you will. Yeah, and I think that we've seen Penbrook before, although I don't remember. It would have had to have been in probably like In the Service of Angels or maybe Mysteries of Unland. I don't remember. And he tells him that uh, he thinks Grey would be more effective than a squad of Bobbies. Mm. They all start going over there. I like how Pritchard's like, oh, this is intriguing. The British paranormal guys are just up for anything. And Major Singh is like, what sort of trouble, Constable? Sir Edward's kind. Ooh. I love that. Uh, so we go over to the Strangers' Home for Asiatics, Africans, and South Sea Islanders. This was an actual place opened in 1857. This was a residential home in West India Dock Road in the Limehouse District of London that provided accommodation for Asian and black sailors at the time. The home served as a repatriation center where sailors could be sought and reemployed for return journeys to the east. It also provided a temporary board and lodgings and functioned as a missionary center. Mm, um, more than 5,000 individuals were accommodated between 1857 and 1877. Edward goes in there and so he says it's the proverbial Tower of Babel. It's a little so, much. because everybody is speaking all these different languages right. that he doesn't know. So, that's why he makes that comment. Yeah. The Tower of Babel is an origin myth meant to explain why the world's peoples speak different languages. I always um, heard it pronounced Tower of Babel. Oh, okay. okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) I mean, not saying that's right. I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the uh, modern term Babel comes from. I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Because you're just Babel. Right. Which is kind of dismissive when you think about it. Extremely very dismissive. You're just going, ah. You're basically showing your ass (laughs) to everyone and saying, I can't speak more than one language. Yeah. So, (laughs) shut up. Well, okay. Well, that's uh rude so this one guy is able to talk to gray and he tells them that they've seen a dragon rising up out of the waters over the docks and they're not going to go back to work until it's dealt with and gray's like a dragon look i'll i'll deal with this personally but whatever it was you saw i'm certain that it cannot harm you being a little uh, like you said he's been a little dismissive right yeah he's been a little bit uh what's the thing um what's the word condescending yeah a little condescending, a little patronizing. Although I was going to say that uh, you know, a dragon popping out of the uh, sea is definitely a good reason not to go to work. It yeah. is absolutely <laughs> a fantastic reason not to go to work. And he's like, I don't think so. I don't know about that. And he was telling that other guy who was like, yeah, I, I can travel through time. And he was like, I don't know about that. Okay, all the, all the fucking shit that you've seen? Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. This guy's, I mean, he's, I don't know. That's, I had the same reaction. When we were re-watching X-Files recently, Scully's so fucking annoying. All the shit that she's saying, she's like, I don't know about that, Mulder. Um, so when they go back outside and they tell them, the rest of the people, you know, the, the Pritchard, he's pretty excited about the aspect of some sort of dragon. They talk about the Kelpie. We've actually seen a story with the Kelpie from yeah. the BPRD 1950s stories. This is a water spirit in Scottish folklore. He also mentions the Akushka, 
water horse in ireland and according to google and on the isle of man it usually takes the form of a horse and is similar to the kelpie but far more vicious oh, shit so it's even more, a more vicious version of a horse that will try to vicious. drown you yeah. so there you go horses are trying to drown you singh says that he thinks all of this might just be a result of tainted beer so bootleg alcohol would sometimes become tainted. Ergot infected grain, which right. is the precursor to, uh, I would say, was it LSD? I think uh, Terrence McKenna also has another lecture on this. Okay. So if you get down into a wormhole on that. Say, I'm, I'm not sure where my I heard this, but it may have been like high school. So just take this with a grain of salt. I heard that ergot affected grain also could be an explanation for the Salem witch trials yes, uh, as well. Yes, absolutely. That is a theory. Yeah, that's so a theory that's that, going on. that is definitely a thing. So ergotism is a name for a sometimes severe pathological syndrome affecting humans and other animals that have ingested plant material containing ergot alkaloid, such as ergot contaminated grains. This is also called St. Anthony's Fire. Yes, and ergot and, alkaloids are classified as uh, a bunch of different things, but like lysergic acid derivatives. Right. Is it? So I think that's that's where oh, they kind okay, of yeah. end up uh, synthesizing LSD because they were researching ergot, ergotized rye and all that stuff. Right, and so some of the symptoms, it's really terrible, um, yeah. include like convulsions and gangrene. Right, so do not try yeah. this shit yeah. at home, please. Please do not. <laughs> no. Grant says it might be some kind of survived dinosaur. And they all stop and look at her because she's like the skeptic. Right. And she's like, oh, don't gop at me. I'm serious. Hers is actually the most <laughs> I love that, reasonable yes. conclusion. Like, well, it's probably a natural animal that exists in the natural world that we just haven't seen for a very long time. And everyone's like treating her as though she said the most ridiculous thing. But look at Ed Gray. Look at his expression when she says that. He's happy that she... Put because this forward he he's, was yes, kind of like that. Right. He went through a similar. He's I love that. He's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His expression is great there. So as they're talking about the theories and going over this, um, they inspect the dock, and Major Singh says, "I don't recall seeing a dinosaur looking anything like that." <laughs> By Jove, Pritchard says. So I I had to look the this shit up. that they knew about dinosaurs though would not fill a fucking thimble. So Well, remember we talked about how the, the sculptures were all wrong. Super wrong. In the Tower of London and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But um I did have to research by Jove, Pritchard's line here. By, by, Jove. by Jove. Also by Cracky. Okay. I've never heard that. Have no, you ever I heard, that? heard that? I'm I've never heard that. I have heard by Jove though. <laughs> uh uses to express surprise or emphasis. For example, by Jove, I was glad to see her, or it was a great day by Cracky. These mild oaths <laughs> are euphemisms. The first four by Jesus or by God. Jove is another name for Jupiter, the principal Roman god. And the folksy variant by Cracky for by Christ. Okay. Oh, you know that old Jesus Cracky? Yeah. <laughs> but that's a, because you don't want to swear. So you say a different oh, thing. Oh, you say old Cracky? Yeah, like... um. I, I read something where uh, I can't remember what time period this was, but people would say they all had their own swears. So oh, someone okay. would say uh, God's knees, and someone else would say God's thumbs. Well, someone sure. else would say God's teeth, okay. and that's how you swear God's elbow or something like that, right? right. I can't. I wish I knew more about this, but that's not really a very okay. good anecdote. Sorry. Right. 
I do love the the lighting on this too. We've been talking about this Ed, as Ed Gray is pulling his pistol out. You know that part of it is in the yeah, black. That's good stuff. You know, very cool. And then we get this giant salamander monster thing. I love this reveal here. I was not expecting like an Andrew Him type monster. <laughs> yeah, I love the flat, like little protrusions or whatever. They all have like kind of that flat top yeah that's a cool design like little stumps or something yeah as i say it looks like tree stumps (laughs) yeah very cool and ed gray shoots at it that closes that as that episode i love ed gray he's all like fucking giant ass monster he didn't give a shit pulls out his pulls out his fucking six shooter revolver revolver. yeah (laughs) he was all like back damn thing yeah he's um he's ready for action yeah yeah Awesome. This chapter four cover. How did I miss this cover? I don't have these issues. Um, I haven't read these. So I don't know how I missed this cover here. This is amazing. I have to go track these down just for this cover. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting you're yeah, this caught is nice. up with us now. Yeah, so. this is incredible. Really, So this kind of goes in line with Panya's vision that we saw in the last issue. I like this little guy. I like this guy. I, I feel bad for him. That he's, I feel oh, like he's in the, the wrong design, place at the wrong time. Uh, yeah. And I like him. I love Ed Gray shooting his little gun. Like, yeah. it, they really put it in perspective here because it's like the little blast and then it they goes sure pling do. off the top of the thing. Oh, <laughs> I really love the action work by Madsen and Disraeli on these pages. And so Gray is just going at it to the point where Major Singh has to yeah. pull him out of the way right before he would get totally disemboweled or yeah, chopped in half, or, you know? Um, instead, it just but slashes right. at his yeah. arm and his jacket. You're right that the it's very dynamic. There's a lot of movement here. So Singh, he's also a badass, too, because he's like, oh, I'll draw it away. So that way you guys can figure out how to stop it. So he's like, it's me you want. He just starts shooting at the thing. This is very Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Here. And in the middle of all this... Simon Broom's like, why? Oh, it's it's a, a crested yeah. newt. <laughs> She's, She's like, like, nah, it's not. Come on. There'll be time for analysis later, Gray says. <laughs> it's a great panel. That's good shit. The northern crested newt, great crested newt, or the warty newt. Nice. Is a newt species native to Great Britain, northern and central continental Europe. It's a large newt with females growing up to 16 centimeters or six inches that long. It's a large newt. Wow. Its back and sides are dark brown, while the belly is yellow to orange with dark blotches. Males develop a conspicuous jagged crest on their back and tail during the breeding season. So right. this one has the crest, yeah. and so maybe that's why he's, he's like, oh. saying that. We see um, Pritchard, he finds this hook, and I love his aha. His, yeah, his aha pose. He has to put his finger up is as he exclaims. And I love this, how uh, they're like coaching him. Well, you know, Singh and Gray are firing on the thing, and then Grant and Broom are just back there, like, telling them, uh, aim for its eyes. Don't see any eyes. Yeah. Just some really great work. I love seeing Gray and Singh shoot at this monster. They're so outnumbered, but they just keep going at it. Finally, the monster bears down on Broom and Grant, and... When it looks like it's going to get them at the last minute, Pritchard jumps out. Nice. He hooks him on the top, but then it says slash right there. We don't really see, but that's not good, right? In the aftermath, the monster flees, and they go over and they see Pritchard there. He's pretty mangled uh, up. I saw, yeah. Man, though, I was not expecting this from Pritchard, to be honest with you. This dude fucking just runs out of 
Yeah, man. Nowhere Springs. Fucking, he's a badass. Yeah, yeah he was. It's uh, BPRD early days. R.I.P. Pritchard. Yeah, and uh, he was the Skinner. That's true. Yeah, he couldn't let harm befall them. Aww. And so Gray's like, oh, I have some people that might help. Let's hurry. So they take him over to Manly and Lewis. But I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of faith in the Victorian well, medical sciences I mean, here. They weren't able to save him. He'd lost yeah. too much blood. Silk says they managed to keep the monster out of the papers, but they need to figure out what to do. I like that so, he has a guy, though. You know, it's cool that he has, like, a team. Oh, yeah, this yeah. The team. It's the, this is the He guy. takes it back, yeah, to his bat cave or whatever. Yeah. This is really sad, you know. Uh, yeah. Grant and Broom were really attached to Pritchard. We talk about so many times in these books that they don't give a lot of time for the characters to grieve. But in this book, they make it an effort to really show that these characters yeah. really cared for this guy. And they're really, like, torn up that it's this a, happened. Yeah, huge loss for them. Yeah. They're just some nerds from Oxford. You know what yeah, I mean? But yeah, but they're really affected by it and they really show that. And I think that's, um, like you said, that's it's fantastic that they take all this time to let that breathe. That's yeah. Cool. And throughout this, like... It's interesting. There's two different kinds of sadness as we go through this story. They're both remain. They both remain in mourning for the rest of this issue. But Broom seems to have like the, he's just paralyzed by the sadness. Whereas yeah. Grant, she's kind of like motivated in a right in a sense that she wants to get revenge or do something as a result of it. Gray assures them that as soon as his he finishes his investigation, they'll find a solution. And so as he walks out, they run after him and they're like, look, we're going to help you. Yeah, you're not going to just take off and do this without us. Gray says, I understand your enthusiasm. No, you hold on, she says. <laughs> Our friend and mentor is dead because of this damnable business. We will assist you and that's an end of it. Nice. And so he's like, okay, well, I guess we could use an extra set of eyes. And Singh is like, well... Wait a minute, there's stuff that we can't tell them because this is royal business. And Gray's like, well, we'll tell them what we can. Yeah. So I don't think Singh is too happy about that. And they go over to Gray's apartment to have like a debriefing. I love this, right? They all go back to the place. Yeah. They tell him about Sinclair. Then they start piecing things together because Grant and Broom, they said that somebody was looking for those parts that got stolen. This lady Ashton, right? So they know about the little secretary, um, the assistant that he's working with. I like um, when Grant calls Aldous Mumble. What's it? Oh Sinclair. yeah, <laughs> that was so good. I, I burst out laughing when I Mumble, read that. Mumble, what's it? Sinclair. Yeah, that's great. Instead of Middengard, they keep saying his name so many times. So yeah, that is funny that they throw in one time where someone gets it all confused. It's like she did, she did not care either. <laughs> <laughs> and I love uh, so in the background you see Gray's getting this long thing. That's the dagger. Mm-hmm. He's got it there. So yeah. he's already in the back of his head thinking, I'm gonna need this. Yeah. So they have the address for Miss Ashton, so he's like, Let's go check it out. Oh, so there is this one page here. I gotta talk about this. Yeah, there's a little uh there's a little vignette. Yeah, this is great. I do love I, I really as the story went on, I really came to love Grant. She's such a great character. They give her a lot to a lot of personality and a lot to do in this story. Um, so Gray's like, wouldn't it be unusual though, a woman working in an engineering laboratory? And is she's she- like, ah, that's terrible. <laughs> this isn't the Middle Ages. Women are capable when we're me- exercising our uh, mental faculties. You know, haven't you heard of the pioneering scientists mm-hmm. who just uh, 
a couple years ago, an Oxford college was named in her honor and all this yeah. other stuff. And so, Mary you know, Somerville. Her partner's trying to be like, you know, I don't think he meant it like that. I don't think he, I don't think he meant that women like the capacity for engineering work, just that it's difficult for them to secure employment because of people who are small minded yeah, who yeah. won't hire them and all this stuff. And Evergrey's like, yeah, sure. I'm sure that was the case. What a fucking dick. He's like rolling his eyes. What an asshole. Oh, yeah. Chill out. Fucking asshole. This is a great... It, it was funny. That was a fun moment, I thought, to put that in there. I do like this lady. We talk about character actors. I would love to cast someone really oh, interesting right. with this lady who answers the door. She's so surly to them, and she's like... First, she's pissed off at what hour it is. Margot Martindale. Oh, okay. And then she's like, uh, they left while still owing rent, so whenever mail comes first, she just throws it in the fire. But you're welcome <laughs> to it. Now be off with you. And then she slams the door on Grace. But hey, they got the information they needed. It's a fun little scene. No, it's a good but you can put somebody really interesting in that role sure. and really let them go yeah. to town with it. So now they're back at the Isle of Dogs. This is where the Foundry's location is. So Singh is like, I can't believe we're back. We're like, we've been all over the place, and it was right next door to our headquarters. They go to find Miss Ashton, and so they find Miss Ashton. They ask her about Sinclair. If you've come to rob me, you're welcome to anything you can carry. But I wouldn't take too long at it if I were you. Right. Very ominous. Like, shit, what's going on here? Because she's trying to book it as well. Yeah. They ask about Sinclair and she's like, you've actually come to the wrong place. He's already gone. I tried to stop him. But he's bonkers. And if he turns on that machine and he opens that door, there's something on that other side. I'm certain of it. And I don't want to be anywhere near when he does. Well, you're too late. You're leaving too late. So they're like, where is he? And she says... In Greenwich, on top of the observatory. This is the Royal Observatory in Greenwich. It's an observatory situated on a hill in Greenwich Park in East London, overlooking the River Thames to the north. It has played a major role in the history of astronomy and navigation because the prime meridian passes through it. The observatory was commissioned in 1675 by King Charles II. So she points over to the observatory, and here we get another really cool lighting effect. You well, know, and here is blue. where the art gets super psychedelic. Yes. It like, starts to really oh, just yeah. take a hard turn and lean way hard into being super psychedelic. We get this giant triple O boom there as the blue light emanates from the top of the observatory. A lot of... Um, Cross-hatching going on here. I like this. Yeah, really intricate. The white on black is yeah, the and, white on the, on the color. Yeah, blending these different lighting styles now, yeah. which is fantastic. And Miss Ashton is like, oh no, it's too late. I was supposed to get out of here. I don't think I can. The team think that they can't get over there in time, but Singh says he has an idea. And then on this last panel, the colors just totally burst forth from the blue clouds and this is like the gates of heaven, right? I was thinking of the title of the story. Really cool. We also see that Simon Broom has an an anemometer, a hemispherical cup anemometer of the type invented in 1846 by John Thomas Romney Robinson. That's a mouthful. An anemometer is a device used for measuring wind speed and direction. It is also a common weather station instrument. Chapter 5. Yeah, this cover is incredible. Again, I, I can't believe I haven't seen these covers. Um, I've never seen this before, and this image just blew me away. I thought it was like a panel. It looks like it could be part of the book, and I just really like that. 
What did you think yeah. of this cover, Aubrey? Man, I really enjoyed the colors of this cover. I kind of stared at it for a while. I um, like this whole last issue is just really colorful, and I really enjoyed that. And it just made me think about how like we're just now starting to get like movies that are starting to embrace color again because for like twenty years it felt like everything was like gray. Yeah, and all no, that. you're right. And I felt like they were doing that just to hide the special effects. It is nice to see color being embraced again. Yeah. You know, like, one thing um, I will say about this story, you know, just coming at it for the first time is issues one and two, I liked them and I liked the art a lot, but, like, three through five, like, really ramped it up. And I guess, like, one and two is a little at a disadvantage because I'm just reading the fir- you know, I'm just reading the first two issues and... It, 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 Frankenstein Underground was kind of like that too. The first two issues were real, kind of just like real moody and melodramatic, and then the last three issues really like ramped up the series to a whole other level. You know, what I mean, and I feel like this is this reminded me of that when I was reading it because these last three issues just kind of like, yeah, they were outstanding. Yeah. So we pick up right on the action here. And so now they've, like, uh, alerted the officials. They're calling for Sir William. They think it might be an Aurora effect. And this guy, he's got his, like, hat, his, like, sleepy hat or whatever, pajama hat. So we cut over to the top of the observatory. We see Sinclair up there. Yes, the way is almost made clear. Soon we shall be joined together forever and without end. And then he starts saying the frog language stuff. And it's just kind of like... If Hellboy were there, he would have been like, I knew it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. of course, uh, this is where all this is going. This guy pops up with the pajama hat or whatever, the nightgown hat. Yeah. He's like, what's the meaning of this? And he sees the light and everything crazy. He's like, oh, my. I insist that you explain yourself at once. From beyond the vault of the sky <laughs> through the gates of heaven themselves, it approaches Already its heralds make ready the way. Man, if you're the dude in the nightgown cap, you're just like, bye. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Oh. Got it. Uh, what, one thing I wanted to point out on the page before, uh, when he gets closer to his eye and then we see his eye iris and that thing with the squiggly lines. Yeah. There, there are seven squiggly lines, so I'm pretty Ooh. sure he just oh, man. touches the object of ham. Nice. Yeah, that's what he's tapping into there. Good job, Aubrey. Oh, yeah. Very I like, cool. Uh, I like the um, the clouds here. Yeah, that, that reminds oh, me yeah. of when you're a kid and you would um, like paint random colors on a thing and then paint black paint over it and then scratch it off yeah. to reveal the random colors you just put. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what that reminds me of. I really like this. So or I wonder would, if they would sell paper that was like that too, or you can buy stuff sure. like that now. I yeah. wonder if like first of all, I wonder if Photoshop is indeed the program that they were using to color this okay but you know whatever program they're using i wonder if there's a layer where they just made a bunch of oh, random psychedelic colors right. and then a layer on top of that that they colored in and then erased right to reveal the layer underneath it kind of has that, that kind would, of that's effect. my theory because wow. that's what that looks like to me like that's the same kind of concept you know <laughs> or maybe there's an easier way of doing it and like with you know that i am don't know about because i'm not as good at that and i don't do it for a living probably like a layer mask probably okay. like a mostly like a likely mask. what they did was uh, they probably created the layer into different 
splatter of color and then use a clipping mask on the line art. Yeah, they probably just use it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. There, there's probably a way easier way to do that. They make the line art and then they use a, a mask on there and whatever. But uh, yeah, in any case, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, it's incredible. It makes for a really amazing effect as the sky is opening up here. And uh, yeah, and our guy, our guy who came up to investigate and demand to know what was going on, yeah. is kind of like, hmm, maybe I should bail. Good lord, he says, as all these mutant birds and stuff start coming out of the sky. So I wanted to mention this. We saw that priest earlier that was all like, you know, he looked like he had been mutated. That monster in the water. So I think like we've seen the Ogdru, the gas, you know, like the mist or whatever, like it can affect the the stuff around it and i wonder if like These whatever he's opening up in the sky overhead, or whatever yeah. this portal is they're passing through the portal yeah. we also saw that in like the 1940s stories with the enkelodite and the portals that it created and the, the things would get mutated as they pass yeah. through it so that's what it kind of yeah. reminded me of here so if there were any like vultures or geese or anything in the sky that they would have there been you go yeah in the, uh... he's like welcome my brothers as all the monsters start coming down Clear away the unbelievers and the unworthy. All of a sudden, this has gone on long enough. And we see Ed Gray, so that giant machine that they had in the foundry that was teased in that double splash page in the first issue. Here we actually see them get to bust it out, right? Sliding down, rope, ladder, a blimp, a zeppelin? Yeah. Aubrey? Experimental Zeppelin, because yeah. there you go. Yeah, and we see Singh and the British Paranormal Society team get are up the there. Union Jack. Just as large as life. Oh, yeah, yeah. On this thing. Yeah, and Gray goes down there and he just starts firing away. And I love how With Broom... He's still got this revolver. Yeah, and I love how Broom and Grant come after him. You know, they're like, they're in it too. Um, they're all kind of going at it. And so Singh says he'll stay in the sky and keep the creatures in the air off their backs. Nice. This is really great. Um, this scene where Broom is like, oh, I'm not certain about this. Do you know how to... She's like, ah, you point and you squeeze the trigger. How hard could that be? Come on. I've I got enough bullets for all yeah, of you. Yeah, she just goes at it. it man. Really yeah. cool. That I love this scene. Yeah, she's she's a badass. <laughs> I really like her. Yeah, and the colors are just incredible. I mean yeah. and the way that the panels are framed also but the clouds kind of stay consistent in yeah. a way. Do you see what I'm talking about? Well, they actually yeah. are growing. Like at first, it's just the outline that is this color, and now yeah. it's kind of progressing to encompass more and more of the clouds. And the the um, illumination earlier that was just those weird colors are now literally just illumination, and so the colors are encompassing more yeah. and more. The clouds are kind of creeping further into the clouds, and it's a progressive. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, there's a little bat guy here. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, the monster work is awesome. Gray finally confronts Sinclair. How does Midengard Sinclair, I presume? I've heard a great deal about you in recent days. We all have. We've heard his name. How does Midengard Sinclair, I presume? I've heard a great deal about you in recent days. (laughs) No. This device of yours is extremely dangerous. I'm assured. And so I think it best that we shut things down and assess, don't you? I like how he's trying to de-escalate. Right. And he's just like... We're well past that, but he's still Mara trying. Hem yeah, he's just shouting. Yeah, we see that obdura yeah. line. We've called that out a couple times. Shouting some frog language. And then Sinclair starts transforming 
into an actual like Ogdruham monster. Don't like that. When he uh, he starts turning into the monster, it's like the black is returning into the uh, into the page as well. Yeah, like he's being swallowed by the darkness. Oh, while he, I like that. Good. Yeah, because oh wow, if you go to the previous page, there's like shards of black first. Yes, right, flying across the page, and then it's all like the shards are closing in. Yeah, that's Very a great cool. observation, Aubrey. That's fantastic. Yeah, nice I love that. Up on that. Yeah, but yeah, you're like you're saying, you know, this fucked up shit is going down and. Edward Gracious, like, ah, I guess we can't talk about it? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Too late very, to discuss this, then. Very droll. Very droll. Dry Yarl! Weather. That's yes. the next line out of the monster guy. Cleanse the world with holy fire. Yes. Ed Gray takes aim, and he shoots at Sinclair, but it doesn't look like it's affecting him at all. And no, Sinclair actually, it. like, punches the shit out of Gray, and he has, like, a bunch of little fists on there. You see that? Jeez. Like, on his hand. Oh, because remember the Newt had a bunch of arms yeah, and Yeah, yeah, so. I'm getting a um, a real Tetsuo vibe from, from Akira, <laughs> from this guy, with the way his arms got all those fists on it. Right, yeah. Oh, he actually dodges out of the way of the bullet, too. So he's got, like, super fast reflexes, monster reflexes, kind of like... One of those Resident Evil monsters or something like that. I'm a big Resident Evil fan. You always have to fight some giant monster that moves real fast. Yeah, but he knocks the shit out of Ed Gray here. And he actually goes down and says thud as he hits the ground. So I was like, dang, that's messed up. We cut over to Sing. He's still above and shooting those bird monsters out of the air. Broom and Grant continue to hold off the monsters. And they go over to check on Gray. But he says... He survived worse. He just has like a shiner, right? I wouldn't mind a shiner right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sinclair has grown too powerful to be brought down by mere bullets, Grace says. Fortunately, I brought along alternative means. Handy magical dagger. Right. So we saw him. I pointed out earlier where they show him grabbing it. It's all wrapped up. So he thinks about Panya, talking about how it was blessed by Durga. I like how the memory is um, very... uh... Yeah. It's softer. You know, it is. You, it's it's very... got like a totally different style there for that. He has Grant and Broom to clear a path for him, and they're like, just say the word. Now, I love that panel as they all go into action. It's so cool. I love to see him team up with them. That would be their little trading card. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and just like you were saying, Danielle, like this last panel, I mean, if you just looked at this of the monster's face where he's like, come forth and all shall yeah. be joined. Like, that is so trippy and it's, almost, like, yeah, heavy metal-esque. Trippy. It's absolutely, it's very That's the height of it, and, you know Yeah, I, mean? I agree completely. It's the crescendo and then of we, psychedelia in And then book. on the next page, we just cut to this all black. It kind of looks like more traditional comic art. I wouldn't even say it's more like traditional. It, it's I feel like it's, um, they're still taking an, a non-traditional path, but it's, it's trippy in a different way. Right. It reminds me kind of of... Uh, some parts of black hole almost okay yeah you know with the leaves falling you know it kind of reminded me of um there's a scene in hellboy in hell or no it was in devil you know where roger is there yeah and with hellboy and there's all the leaves falling kind of yeah. reminded me of that too i feel like this is still somewhat abstract in some yeah. ways it's just um and like you said they cut almost all the color yeah it's very kind of faded in um, they have my favorite, though, like the juxtaposition of like, I got a red light on this side and a blue light on this side. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Unironically, I love that. It is more traditional than the rest of this book in a lot of ways, but it's also still maintains that kind of abstract sure. sort of um, feel to it. I also took the the leaves as like 
because we saw the darkness as shards wrapping around him or at the be- when he yeah. transformed. I feel, and it's all dark panels, and then it's the white panel with the black leaves. And I just figured, like, that was the darkness just blowing away. Oh. Yeah, well, and it's also become a more natural shape. Yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah, and so like you said, those shards are menacing and these leaves are very um, benign. I yeah. love, that's like, cool, Aubrey. That's a great observation. Like, this is one of the things that comic books can do that, you know what I mean, that other mediums can yes, do. Like, this precisely. is this is very artful, you know, that this whole story has been, and these last three issues really upped the story a whole other level for me in terms of just where I would place it in well, terms you, of my you favorite. You start off yeah. with it being like, ah, oh, it's an Ed Gray adventure, and then it ends up being, whoa, shit. You yeah. Know, kind of a, this is wild. I was not expecting it to to be so um, intense. Another great kind of comical beat between Gray, Grant, and Broom. They're like, how do we turn this thing off? What if we remove the components? He's like, I might have something in here that I could. Here, give, give me the, that. Yeah. <laughs> Smash. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That was great. Really cool. But look at the colors on God. Yeah, really. Where he's yeah. like with Sinclair's machine still in operation. It's completely taken over the entire panel here. Yeah. Like, there's not a single place where there isn't color except for where the artist is trying to indicate, or the artist and the colorist are trying to indicate this just bright, blinding light. Yeah. So that color that started off just as a mere outline has now completely taken over yeah and that's uh until he smashes it in this just burst of blue light yeah really great really great stuff the scene where the scene the panel where it does seem <laughs> like that cinematic. though it is very animated it's very yeah. cinematic yeah. the the panel where the the cloud is um yeah retreating <laughs> it's i mean you can it's it's so dynamic you can tell it's what it's doing but how did they yeah do that just from that one image it's incredible it like, really speaks to the, the little tendrils of lightning i almost hear like some thunder like faintly yeah you know but you can tell that it's moving yeah. like inward like it's collapsing yeah. in on itself and it's different. yeah so it's just that panel where the uh the phenomenon is retreating is just very skillfully done i mean i how did they convey all yeah. of that movement in just one panel it's really good and then on this next page, the colors are all like calming down. It seems like to me, like we're all we're getting, back to like, like normal, yeah, colors, yeah. And it's, uh, like, it's like calming down, but the sun is also rising at yeah. the same time. Right? Yeah. Very nice. And Gray apologizes to Broom for breaking all his shit. And well, Sing gets th- the. Lo- thank you, Mister Broom. Sorry if it's a bit worse for wear. <laughs> think nothing of it. <laughs> he, he looks all sad with his. Gain his satchel full of broken stuff. And Sing gets the final bird monster. Not on my watch, he says. But yeah, we've kind of returned to the color the coloring in these books is just really Yeah, it's been outstanding. Masterful work. Genius stuff. Well, it's nice here as it wraps up, because I also think like this is part of his journal, and these look kind of like photographs too. It's kind of got that kind of coloring style to sure, me. Yeah. But Gray's like, so things ended up pretty good with the foundry, you know. He wanted to keep the artifacts in the Tower of London, but the Queen said to go ahead and leave them with the Foundry. So he said, other than that disagreement, he ended it with on good terms with them. So I hope we see Major Singh again in future stories. He also says regarding the British Paranormal Society, he escorted them to go back to Oxford to bury Pritchard. Uh, this made me laugh. 
though I have very little understanding of or indeed respect for their methods, I must admit that they provided vital assistance as well. Man, they right. fucking covered you yeah, in the heat of battle. Did. But I love yeah, how he's did. like, I don't respect their methods. God. <laughs> but they stepped up in the end. Yeah. I would love to uh to cast those guys. Yeah. Who would you cast as know. the British Paranormal Society, Grant and and Simon Broom, young Simon Broom? Yeah, I really like them. I hope we see them too in other stories. It's so rare and interesting that that uh we got a little cast of like a little supporting cast of yeah. people that were like i would read more of them yeah exactly and he says uh i cannot but think that miss Panya has designs of her own though and i would not be surprised to find that our paths cross again in time and she's got two kitties yes look at that she's got Very two little sweet. cats there so in between olabisi and ollie she had some other cats in the victorian yeah. times that's, that's cute sweet. well and that informs uh her motives and decisions to Take care of all these different oh, yeah, creatures and have a little bit. Yeah, all of the ink wells here. He, yeah, Ed Gray says the Majesty was satisfied with the whole thing, and then uh, Bailey comes in. He's got another mission for Sir Edward. Oh, Bailey. He brings in a note from Mister Silk, who writes to say that the fugitive Dutch warlock Epke Vrooman is believed to be living in London under an assumed name, and I'm to look into it at once. Mm. Wasn't that the chap who once conjured up a thunderstorm in Paris metro station to cover his escape? Will be decently difficult to corner a man capable of a trick like that, Bailey says. Oh, I'm sure I can think of something, Gray says, as he looks over at the Lipu dagger sitting on top of his mantle. I think think that means that Gray's going to go stab that dude. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about this, right? Do you remember the name Warlock Epke Vrooman? Do you remember Mm -mm. that? Does that sound familiar at all? So that was the guy from that they were looking for in Abe Sapien the Drowning. And in Abe Sapien the Drowning, I think, we, did we have Matt on there? Or maybe we had him on for the feedback. Matt talked about that was his favorite Ed Gray. We see Ed Gray with the two guns running onto the ship. Right. It, it yeah. happens in 1884, which is this year. Oh. So the the first part of okay. Abe Sapien the Drowning, the op- go check out Abe Sapien right. the Drowning, the That's opening the scene. That's what's going to happen. Ed Gray is going to okay, track down nice. this guy, Epke Vrooman, and he's going to stab him with cool. a Lipu dagger. Love it. And then the ship's going to sink down to the bottom of the ocean. Right. But they, so and then later Abe goes referencing. back. Yeah. Yeah. And then later uh, Abe goes back to that. But this is going to pick up right to that next scene where we see Ed Gray with the two guns. Nice. Oh, it's so nice. cool. Yeah. And, and in that scene, he comes out of a blimp. So I wonder if they would have done it now. Maybe they would have used the. Blimper well, I guess he's not with the, or a Zeppelin. <laughs> but I wonder if. Uh, I guess he's not with the Foundry. Maybe they would have used that giant ship that they sure. used in this one instead. No, but, but that's cool that they're setting up the. We already know what adventure. Yes, he had. and All we right. know the Lipu dagger is going to be there. That it's going to sit there. Um, until Abe gets it and brings it back to Professor Broom. Then at one point, it's going to go to Johan, who's right. going to try to use it to kill Daimyo, all that stuff. So, yeah, very cool. We could track Long this weapon. Long-storied history of, yeah. this, uh, of this item. I do want to talk about the sketchbook. There's some great work here by Disraeli. Kind of see what his work looks like without the colors, too, which is well, yeah, interesting. He, uses, yeah. like, he does uh, like little washes. Yeah. I like how it says based on Mike's version. So hair based on Mike's version. He looked at the oh nice the version that Mignola drew. I guess um, one thing I was I thought it was interesting in his character designs. He mentioned 
Miss Goad is meant to be a little person. Oh, nice. And I never caught that. And he even says, if you're going to have a character with a physical difference, I think you need to embrace it. And the previous version of her seemed to me to shy away from that. You have to be careful not to veer into the caricature, of course, but I hope my portrayal is honest. Right. He's, he's, he doesn't want to uh, yeah. make like make light of or make fun of. He just wants to uh, earnestly portray her as a, he actually, in here, a person of restricted growth. So yeah, I think it's cool that just uh, having a little person, that's good. Yeah, really cool. I, t- I called this thing a onomometer, but it says here that it's like some sort of detector that Broom had. Oh, so it was, and en- it ended up becoming simplified under deadline pressure. So it's like a little machine. That's what Gray smashed it, uh, smashed the the device with at the end. You see the little sketch of it. There? Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Um, we also get to see some great sketches of the artifacts. I thought it was really cool how he did like different versions of them, and they they could like pick out which ones they wanted. And here's where it says Sedubera. The main thing I remember about Sedubera and Marina was trying to figure out how those dadded pleat kilt things worked based on one side view from a tomb painting. So he really went back and tried to figure out what the costumes would be based on what's actually carved, you know, on the tombs. That's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the giant mutant newt monster. He's talking about how he thought newts were a little silly looking. So he wanted to design something like that. And he says he gave his uh, creature design a bunch of creepy looking Kirby style crater eyes to try and oh, make it look more sinister. That, those were the eyes. Yeah, and so, right, and remember I was like, I don't see any eyes. The She was actually like, shoot at those things, mm-hmm. I guess. So then the multiple limbs came from an idea I had about the space-time distortion of the portal engine causing aberrant proliferation in the Hox genes of nearby species. Or maybe I just uh, pinched the idea from classic creature designer Wayne Douglas Barlow. Wow. And so um, he was, he's like, I was pleased with how I captured the scale of the monster. And yeah, but it's, um, the design itself is really creative and it's good stuff. I like how he was like, I'm going to honor yeah. Guy Davis. I'm going to honor this other guy. I'm going to kind of take all of my Put favorite. Put Kirby in there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take all my favorite creature designs and smush them together into this guy. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Oh, look at this layout here. I thought this was really interesting. He said, I built the vehicles as 3D models to make sure that they could actually fit into the environment to guarantee consistency and repeatability. Okay. This spread shows how I integrate the renders into my rough pencils in Chip Studio Paint. Cool. Right So that's what he's using. Excellent. That's interesting. Really cool. I love seeing stuff like this. Yeah. That's, um, That's a really handy reference to have, especially for scale. Oh, I love this part of the sketchbook. He said, when designing the creatures for Witchfinder, my guiding principle was WWGDD. What, what would, would Guy, Guy Davis, Davis do? do? Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I read that. I thought that was pretty awesome. Really yeah. cool, yeah. He has a f- great transformation of Sinclair into the Ogdrahem, and he goes, uh, I didn't know how far to go with the progression. I asked Katie O'Brien to say when. I think we decided somewhere between four and five. <laughs> nice. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I like it progresses all the way to six, and the, six looks the last one is fucking cool. creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great design. Really cool. So you can see how all the arms were coming out and stuff like that. He even, um, I'm, maybe Danielle might not like seeing the bird mutants. But no, he, I but didn't he even like that. he even went as far as to say like, here's the swan, here's the kestrel, 
Here's the Raven. He says, um, Three-Headed Swan is a tribute to Japanese monster movies. Nice. We also get the nice layouts here for the covers. Yeah, there's like his thumbnails are so detailed and like fully colored. Yeah, it's amazing. Really cool. I love seeing these. So yeah, overall, I mean, these could be little sketch cards. Like I, these are good. Yeah, I think that, um, like I said, the, the, this series really grew on me, and I just really loved it. I would say that I would put it up there with my, you know, when all this is over, I want to rank how I feel about the different Witchfinder stories. Oh, I forgot about that. Which would be hard to do, but uh, this one is up there. I think this one is going to be up there because it was so cool. I really enjoyed the art, and I just loved reading it. What'd you guys think? Yeah, it's good stuff. And like you said, like the first two issues kind of you don't benefit from like the rest of the series. They're, you know, not having the back end. And so I was thinking like, not that I disliked the art or anything like that. I was thinking this wasn't really my favorite. But then by the time you get to that fifth issue, it's just like, this art is amazing. I love yeah, it so much. You know, <laughs> they did this stylistically. They Their stylistic choices were there for a reason. And yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Totally agree with what you said, Aubrey. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was very satisfying. I'm so glad to be doing this Witchfinder stuff. I'm excited to listen to all the listener feedback, and we're going to have a great episode next week. And now, Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. We just finished another Witchfinder. Witchfinder, Witchfinder, Witchfinder. Good, Aubrey. Are you trying to make it, it, it's like an echo? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. All right. (laughs) We want to know your thoughts, and you can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section, our Podbean website, our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, no, you know, Linktree has been messing up. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. I went to go put Jan Niklas's thing on there, and I couldn't even get on my Linktree oh, at all. I couldn't even log in. Jeez. And then I Googled it, and people were complaining about Linktree online. So. Uh-huh. It's on our Facebook About section. It's on our Podbean webpage. As soon as if Linktree is working, the the link will be up there. If it's working, you can go there. But if you if it's not working, just go to our Podbean webpage or our Facebook About section if you want to look at those resources, including that super cool German Hellboy comic that Niklas shared yeah. last week. Nice. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Garterharn and Andrew Adair for the lovely theme music they provided for us. Thank you guys. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark, for helping John with the reading order. And thank you, John, for making us sound amazing. And thank you, Danielle, for all your insight and wisdom. <laughs> wisdom. I just listen uh, to crackpots on YouTube. Next week, we are reading Witchfinder. Witchfinder, Witchfinder, Witchfinder. <laughs> Witchfinder, The Reign of Darkness, issues one and two. So you know what to do. Go get that next trade. Go get those other floppy issues. You know, you know, or some digitals or get it from the Hoopla app uh, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Cup podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, Witchfinder. My findings are consistent with the most current scientific thinking. I assure you. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Awesome. That's not my particular hinkle pink.